podcast. My name is Keith. I'm Kim. And this is a podcast um, where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily see ourselves, right? And so we pick up, we're still in David's highlight reel. Still. Yes, still. And um, First Chronicles 17 is a chapter that never jumped off the page to me before until this time through because I've seen all the connections with Second Samuel 7. Right. Right. And so mm-hmm. after everything is said about David, it's like, all right, God comes and makes this covenant with David. Um, but first, some interesting things, yeah, kind of happen, right? Right. So David has now built his palace. He's established. He's used the best workers, the best materials to build his palace. And he looks and the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent. Yeah. So he tells Nathan, how can I live in this palace when God's, God, is the, God is in a tent, mm. basically? The Ark mm. of the Covenant is in a tent. And Nathan tells him, do everything that's in your mind to do. God is with you. Do whatever, bro. Do it. And then that night... Yeah. God comes to Nathan and is like, yeah, not quite. Not quite. And he comes and explains to him, you know, that David is not supposed to be the one to build the temple. And he establishes his covenant and he tells Nathan this. So Nathan goes to tell David. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I just seen the irony for the first time here. It's like that David wanted to build a house for God. Right. But God ended up saying, no, I'm going to build a house I for you. We'll build a house. Yeah. He's I like, will, I don't need a house. I don't need, I don't need you to build me a house. Right. I'll build you a house. Right. And so what he means here, though, is that David will have a dynasty, right? That men will sit on his throne. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we said this when we did Second Samuel, but even here, uh, literally before exile, a man sat on the throne of David for 400 years. Right. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's amazing. And then we have this time, and that and that's unparalleled anywhere in the ancient world, right? From Egypt to Mesopot- like hmm. Mesopotamia, Assyria, all of these huge prominent nations, God does this. And um, what's crazy here, though, is that, you know, he says, there's uh, a difference between this passage in 2 Samuel 7 and 2 Samuel 7. He says, yo, your throne, hmm. will, you will reign forever. You will have a man sit on the throne forever. He says, my throne here. Right. Mm. Right, it will dwell forever. And the thing that the text is trying to show us is that um, God's throne and David's throne are one and the same, right? Because mm. Jesus comes as a descendant of David, the Bible says. Romans 1 talks about according to the flesh, mm. right? D- Jesus was a descendant of David. So David's throne. And right. then Jesus, the gospels show us this immaculately that mm. Jesus is the Yahweh of the Old Testament, right? right. Like he mm. sits on the throne. So both. Happened in Christ. Yeah. It did. And I love the fact that David's response to this mm. was not look at me. It was a thank, it was thanksgiving to God. He Absolutely. praised God. Like his first thing is, Who am I, Lord? Yeah. And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And so David realizes yeah. that all of his conquests and him being the king and everything he has done, the victories he's had, is not because of him and his skill. It is because of who God is and he praises God for it. Absolutely. And that theme of yeah praising god is um something david does often especially in chronicles Mm -hmm. obviously in the psalms right um he like we said like before he's a master artist as well (laughs) as military like he does it all um but i love too another reason to thank god like i love too in first chronicles 18 when we come to the passages that talk about you know his military victories they continue to talk about them right it says that the lord did that right? right like the lord gave david victory exactly and that his greatness david as a as a human 
His greatness was meant to point back to Yahweh's greatness. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And 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 again, I, I love the fact that the Bible never says there's anything wrong with winning victory or being great, but only when we try to take the credit and the glory. Right. It's who again. gets the glory. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. about who gets the glory, right? And David understands that, as you mentioned before. And I love in your mention 18 how it says that David finally took Gath from the Philistines. Just the reality that if you look at um, 1 Chronicles 7, Ephraim's sons were killed. When you look at that genealogy, we talk about yeah. how important that is. Yep. Um, Ephraim's sons were killed by the men of Gath. And we're talking about before they became slaves in Egypt right. for 400 years. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years of these men of Gath being a thorn in their flesh. And here it is, David... Finally, it says he defeated them and he took Gath and all of its surroundings. Finally. Yeah. Finally. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, that is the Lord's uh, victory. And mm -hmm. then at the end of 18, it says that David reigned over all Israel. Hear this. Administering justice mm. and righteousness for all his people. Amen. And yeah, just I, maybe I, this pops off the page more because of where we are in the world and right. time. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I think people overlook is that um, over and over throughout the Bible, the kings in Israel were supposed to administer justice right. and righteousness, mm -hmm. right? And David shows that he is living up to that uh, kingly uh, prescription that God has put in place by being just. And so for us as Christians, right. we serve the ultimate just God, Jesus, Amen. And it's like, why will we not be those who mm -hmm. are big and like fighting for all the time and administering and advocating for justice, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a mark of a good king and we serve the and greatest right. king. And a great, right. Yeah. Indeed. Yep. And then, yeah, 19, we have this crazy story. Yeah. The Ammonites. So yeah. the king dies uh -huh. david decides to you know go and he wants to comfort yep. and he sends messengers to go comfort the son mm -hmm. and the son listens to people who are around him who uh -huh. tell him oh no they're just coming to spy so what they do is they humiliate david's messengers. david's yep. messengers and cut they basically start off. a war yeah. cut their beards off cut their clothes in half from the yeah. waist down and uh, so this... it's i mean it's ugly yeah and then the then they realize oh man we messed up yeah, he's like, oh, uh, I think and we can't fight them by ourselves. So yeah. they go and hire some Arameans to come help them fight. And it says here that Joab comes up with a strategy. Yep. But even in Joab coming up with a strategy, he realizes that it is God who's going to give them the victory. Mm, absolutely. And I love too. The text says that the Ammonites realized they had become, CSB says, repulsive mm -hmm. to David. They're like, oh, we done messed up. Oh, we messed up. So and we, we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. So they go get the Arameans and they still lose. Still. Still lose, right? Showing they're like, yo, the text has been saying like, oh no, David's this great military leader. And he says, no, like, let me just show you. Let me, let me give you an is. instance. Mm. God is really the one who is fighting for his people for sure. And he does that now. Praise God. Amen. Um, but the thing we have to realize is that you don't want to fight against God. And then the best line is found in verse 19. After this, the Arameans were never willing to help the Ammonites again. They learned. Learned their lesson. Learned their lesson. And, and then, then we, yeah, we pick up in chapter 20 and it says, you know, Joab circles back around and he's getting ready to fight the Ammonites again. And this starts out. Like Second Samuel chapter eleven, mm -hmm. when in the king, you know, in the spring when all the kings go to war, yep. 
But then there's something missing in this one. Mm. And it's the story of Bathsheba and Uriah. Yeah. And so here, like the, the um, chronicler is telling the story because his focus is David's line. And so he knows everyone who's reading this. They know David's story. They know where they he's know. blown it. They know where he's messed up. And so he doesn't have to detail that in this particular story yeah. because everyone knows that. But he's just specifying this is where they were. This is what happened. This is what Joab did as a way of showing all of the military conquests. Yeah, absolutely. And again, right, like he he knows you can go back and read that mm-hmm. uh, if you desire to. And he's not trying to be deceptive or deceitful right. with God's word. Um but he is just presenting, again, a highlight reel of David. And over and over, you see that Israel is in this sweet spot of uh, flourishing, right, right, under David. But they still have enemies. They do. Right? It's and not, it doesn't go the, away. Yeah, that's the thing we have to realize, that living in God's kingdom under God's appointed king doesn't mean we don't have opposition. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we will have opposition even now on this side of the cross as Christians— Primarily, sin, right? right, in our inside mm-hmm. and outside of us, right. mm-hmm. um, false teachers, exactly. Right? We know about those, um, <laughs> and Satan himself, right, right. And the thing we have to realize that we're not on the wrong side of history or doing things wrong just because um, people are or things are coming against us, right. right? Like because we are on God's side, we automatically have. An enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I so, love how he, like the story where he, he doesn't tell, like we've talked about how he just gives snapshots and one lines, like we sure. talked about with Reuben and with Saul, sure. because people know, yep. and this is a point, the point of him writing this is to remind people who are in exile because they really blew it, yeah. that God isn't focusing on that. He's providing hope to remind them of this is who David is. This is a promise I made to David. I don't need to remind you of the ways, the specifics to how he failed, yeah. but I need to remind you of who I am and how I am restored you and giving you all hope and encouragement to remind you that I am one day keeping my promises as we move forward. Amen. Amen. That's the God we serve. He is a promise keeper. Even when our performance uh, contradicts his promises, he still keeps them. Amen. Amen.